What's good, everybody? Mitch Michaels here. Time for another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. It's a sports podcast. I'm your host. We got a great show planned for you today. College football with Sean Sullivan. And we're going to talk NFL football with Tom Weisenbach. Interesting week seven. Week eight should be even more unpredictable. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this discussion at all. This is going to be a jam-packed football podcast. It's Friday. I'm feeling good. I hope you are too. The Money Mitch Effect on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. We're about to make history starting right now. Okay, so now joining the Money Mitch Effect, reoccurring guest, Sean Sullivan. Sully, thanks for stepping back in and breaking down some more college football. Thanks for having me again, man. Always a pleasure. Yeah, now the last time I uh, I spoke with you, you were getting ready to go uh, on a uh, on a pretty big road trip, and I'm glad you survived. Right. You know, I, I I had some doubts, not a lot, but a few, and I'm glad <laughs> you uh, you made it through uh, the brunt of it in one piece. Yeah, no, uh, it was it was definitely a fun road trip, uh, regardless. Went to A and M, obviously, and that was a thriller. Um, and then ran into the buzzsaw that is Bama. Uh, maybe. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the I'm the I'm the bad luck charm. I guess yeah. going 0 and 2 in the two games I went to this season. But uh, but yeah, man, it, it was it was fun regardless. Uh, you know, good good to see the balls no matter what the outcome is. Even though, man, it was a couple tough losses. Well, you mentioned that buzzsaw Alabama, Sully, and every week I feel like we start the show the same way. I always want to start with the best, with the with the top uh-huh. story. And it's been Alabama, no surprise. They beat t- Texas A&M 33 to 14. I'm noticing a trend here, and uh, you know, feel free to let me know if you're noticing the same mm-hmm. one. But they're facing a little adversity early. But man, do they pump out? They stomp on the gas about late second quarter, taking in the second half, and best second half team I've seen in a very long time. Oh, it's it's gross. They're just gross. It's just Bama and everybody else. And uh, a, a college football podcast I listen to, they call it. Bama crockpots people to death, where they just slowly cook you, pressure cook you in the first half. Oh, you're up by 14-13 going into halftime. You're feeling good. Second half, yeah. oh, you're falling apart at the seams. And you just don't it, – it, at one second, you feel like you're, it's a ball game, and the next second, Bama just Bama's everywhere, <laughs> you know. And I, and I think it has to do with uh, a lot of a lot of second-half adjustments from definitely the best coaching staff in the country. And – um, a lot of talent just waking up, you know. Those guys are absolutely unreal in the second half, you're right. And yeah. uh, they're going to be hard to stop for, for the rest of the season. Um, everybody's, you know, an LSU player coming out and saying they're going to be dominated <laughs> at one point. I can't see that happening. Okay. I can't see yeah. <laughs> anybody coming out and even thinking about dominating that team. Maybe in the first half, but just like we were saying, I mean, this, this, this favorite team is going to keep on rolling in the third and fourth. I thought A&M came out and played better, you know, than I expected early, but Bama's yeah. defense eventually figured out what they were about. They were able to limit Knight running the ball, and when that happened, mm-hmm. I thought it was game over. Um, but uh, like you said, I'm always impressed with how Bama just makes adjustments because there's so many teams across all the major conferences that can't adjust at halftime that, you know, let the game slip away. And Alabama's not one of them, and I know that, We've seen a lot of dominant Alabama teams, a lot of championships in the last couple of years. And anybody could beat anybody on any given Saturday if the dominoes mm-hmm. fall into place. But 
I think this might be the most dominant Bama team that Saban's ever had. I agree, and, and Bama fans uh, that I've seen, like I've seen that thrown around on Twitter, and Bama fans would have stopped the breaks, but I, I got to agree with you, man. Just not, especially on the defensive side of the ball, this might be <laughs> the best secondary that we've seen in a very long time. Uh, first rounders across the board, and uh, of course you got a front seven that's just just stacked, stacked at every position, from Tim Williams to Robinson to everybody, man. It's they're just gross. It's a gross. Yeah, it's disgusting. Uh, well, of talent. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you answer that uh, when you come to play Alabama, and I, the fact that they're going to be favored by almost double digits in every game that they play the rest of the season is disgusting. Yeah, yeah. I saw. Speaking of that, I saw uh, a um, an article that came out looking at possible lines for the semifinals and finals matchups that Bama could play. And I think the closest one was maybe nine points that's, against Ohio State. Everybody else was in double digits. See, that's why. That, that's where I draw the line. We have they have to be stopped. They're making a mockery of Vegas. We have to do something. About I know. It. Well, Vegas loves them. I Vegas know. loves them. Vegas is going to set the bar so high for those guys. And look, what was it? Nineteen and a half. Yeah, uh, and I'm covered. And line, and everybody was saying it was crazy. Yeah. Look at that. And I'm covered by a half point. And <laughs> they're the number six team in the country, right. and they lost by You're nineteen, right. and they still covered. Oh, man. Exactly. Well, Crazy. it's going to be tough to beat Alabama, um, but we'll see if anybody can do it as we just mosey along this season. Hard to believe how far we are. Um, all right, so... I, mean, you, you, yeah. you, I, I, I don't like to sleep on LSU. They're playing really well. Um, and then the Auburn team's coming along. And then you can't cut out my balls. Might yeah. be... Might be a... Might call me crazy <laughs> after uh, what, what we saw in, in Knoxville a couple weeks ago, but uh, we, were, we were playing... Uh, th- Two freshmen and three fresh starters across the board against that front seven, and that's that's why we couldn't do anything against them. So I, I'd imagine uh, when we have all those guys coming back this week, it'll, it, I, I doubt we'll beat them in Atlanta if we make it, but it, it'll be a closer game. What people expect. Yeah, I really, I really hope you're right. You know, there's nothing I'd love to see more than that, but I. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. Just, yeah. I, I just don't see it. I think they're running the table. It's going to be tough. But all right, so uh, another big game that happened, and I'm I'm gonna own this one. I'm gonna you know Ohio uh-huh. State got beat by Penn State. Penn State uh, beat yeah. them on the field. Um, I looked at this game, obviously disappointment from my end, but you can talk about calls and what didn't go against them, and and I definitely think there were a few that you know you could take issue with as an Ohio State fan. But at the end of the day, my reaction to this game, Sully, was that Ohio State just kept the team around. That they were more talented than they didn't put them away. And uh, in the end, they got burned. It was a little wacky. Some might say fluky, but you know that's you know you make your bed and you lie in it when you don't put teams away that you should. And that's what I think happened to the Buckeyes against Penn State. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, you, 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 if you have an opportunity to put somebody away, you ha- absolutely have to do it. But I, th- I think what the reason they couldn't because they couldn't protect JT Barrett. Yeah. And, uh, Penn State sure has a pretty good defense. Um, you know, James Franklin always knows what he's doing on that side of the ball. Uh, but they're going to see some tough defenses coming up here pretty soon, especially uh, uh, Michigan there at the end of the season. Um, they, that defense is loaded, uh, and I can't wait. I mean, I think everybody just wants that game to happen tomorrow. Um, but just looking down the road, I mean, they have, they have a pretty good Nebraska team that we're going to find out about um, this week, or more about this weekend in, in Madison. Uh, Michigan State, you know, always a tough game, um, not, not quite the same. Michigan State team of, of the past few years, but still, still a decent test. Um, and then, of course, Michigan. 
so we'll, we'll find a lot about, a lot about this Ohio State team. I think Urban Meyer's going to circle the wagons, but I wouldn't feel good if I'm a Buckeye fan seeing Penn State destroy my offensive line and then uh, and, and look at what game is doing and, and feel good about a matchup against <laughs> yeah. those guys in the playoffs. No, not at all. Um, well, first of all, I do agree that you know there is a possibility if Ohio State wins out, I think they're in, I think they're going to make the playoff. Um, oh yeah, no that, doubt. That's going to be very hard to do, but I think that's kind of the place that they put themselves in right now. Uh, the 24-21 final score I thought was indicative of two things. One, as you said, Penn State was getting after the quarterback, and, and I watched a lot of that game, so he, he was yeah. – they were rushing fourth. They weren't blitzing. That was the most alarming no. thing. They were chewing up the that's, offensive that's, line. That's you know. But the other thing, too, and this has kind of been a, a budding pattern, Ohio State's red zone offense, not very good, not very effective. They leave points on the on the board a lot. Um, you don't notice it when you're beating teams by 30 points, you know, 20, even 15. But you saw it a little against Wisconsin, and then you saw it big time uh, against Penn State. So they're going to have to clean those things up because Michigan is rolling. They're a juggernaut. Peppers is a uh, he, he haunts my dreams sometimes. Um, so I don't <laughs> I don't want to uh, I don't want to think about what he could do if the line's not clicking. Barrett and oh, company aren't no, 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 playing no. effective. Or, or Tim Williams in a semifinal either. Like, you just, you just don't want that to happen. No. <laughs> For but, sure. But here we are, uh, again, with a big upset. Penn State getting the big home win under Coach James Franklin, 24-21 over Ohio job State. Job saver. Yeah, job saver. I thought he was going to get fired if they would have lost to Temple earlier this year. And now look where we yeah, are. Yeah, right? Yeah, and look where we are. Talking with Sean Sullivan on the Money Mitch Effect, college football. Uh, one other thing uh, I want to mention uh, about this past weekend is the ever budding. Uh, I think he's already clinched it. Can we just say Lamar Jackson has the Heisman? I mean, after last week, yeah. it's going to be hard to take it. I, from I think him. I, 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 I'm not quite there yet um, because of Leonard Fournette. I feel like if he has a huge game next week That's against fair. Bama, he could reel himself back into it. There's an old saying, you know, you don't win the Heisman uh, in the first couple of months, you win in November. And of course, Lamar Jackson still has plenty of opportunity to hold on to that trophy. Yeah. But, and obviously, he's a shoe in at this point. But yeah, I don't. I want to count out Leonard Fournette after what he's done uh, last week, and then you know if he still had some big opportunities ahead of him. Right. You but know, yes, that, you're right. That's interesting because I mean, I agree. Fournette has a chance if he runs over Bama, which he wasn't able to do at all last year, and if he has a no. big, big couple of games in the SEC, I do agree. You know, that's something I didn't really think of. But looking at the stats against NC State. 355 yards, uh, three touchdowns uh, through the air, 76 yards and a touchdown on the ground, 54 to 13 win. I think it's over for. I, I cannot see Watson or Barrett winning it anymore. Watson struggled against the same wow. NC State team. He's playing Florida State this week, a team that Jackson already shredded, and Barrett had the struggle in the loss. So the only. I mean, yeah, Fournette coming on strong, maybe. Maybe a defensive guy can swoop in there and make it interesting, but it's Lamar Jackson and maybe Fournette if he pushes hard. Oh, it's definitely Lamar Jackson to lose. The dude is just an absolute video gamer, you know? Yeah. I, I, he, he's a, a huge reason, obviously, amongst others, that I want NCAA uh, video game franchise to come back. Can you imagine playing with this guy? Oh, no. He'd be like all. Michael Vick in 2004 <laughs> Madden. No, it's true. Against you college can... kids. That's the other thing. It's yeah. against college yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. Well. I mean, Sticking back, he's sticking back at, at kick returner, as me and my buddies used to do in 2004 Madden with, with Vic. He's sticking back with kick returner and just run laps around the field. They made him so good. That's exactly how this guy is. He's a, it's just video game numbers, such a joy to watch. And yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's going to be really hard 
Fournette to, to take it from him, and, and I don't see another quarterback topping him. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the guy certainly deserves it at this point and really would take a gargantuan uh, effort from Fournette this final month to, to stop him because I don't see him slowing down anytime soon, really. He's done it in big games, and everybody's going to remember that huge Clemson game where he was clearly the best player on the field. No doubt about it, and it's really his belief. He's going to have to stink it up the last month to really, to really lose it. Right, and you know he's not getting hurt, too. That's the other thing people aren't really talking about is he's – Staying right. durable, you know. He's getting. I'm knocking on wood. I'm knocking on wood for him right now, though. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I probably just jinxed him. That'd be my fault. That's uh, yeah, that's on right. me if he gets hurt. Um, <laughs> God, look what I did. All right, so now we're at the. Uh, now I want to talk about the rankings right now, Sully. And mm-hmm. with Ohio State losing, they dropped to six in the AP poll, eight in the coaches poll. So still within striking distance. Alabama, Michigan, Clemson, and Washington are your top four teams with Louisville rounding out the top five. But the biggest thing I want to get to are some undefeated teams we're not really sure of, and that's number seven, Nebraska, number eight, Baylor, going off the AP poll, and number 10, West Virginia. Now, it's interesting because A&M's at nine, Wisconsin's at 11. They have, A&M has one loss, Wisconsin has two. How do you feel about those three teams, Nebraska, Baylor, West Virginia? Are they for real? Are they pretenders? Will the schedule eventually get them well, what's your thought on that i, I think uh, i think nebraska will find out everything this weekend we want to know about them um that going into madison if you could pull off that victory uh on a hostile environment i think i think that's 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 a huge test obviously so we'll find out everything we need to know about the number 17 team in the country this weekend so don't need to worry about that baylor uh i think everybody uh is counting them out um and, and i see uh just from a lot of a lot of articles I've wrote or um, read this weekend, um, going into this weekend. Everybody's picking Texas Ooh, against Baylor, uh, you know, which is which is I've seen as a trendy pick, and I ask why, yeah. considering Texas laid an egg against K State last week. Did, did nobody nobody watch that game? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know. No, I, I, right, I, I see people picking them, and I, I, that's a huge slap in the face to Baylor. Uh, it's on the road. I get it. Uh, tough place environment. Um, but no, nah, I think I think Baylor uh, is not for real. I think they're probably the biggest pretender out of um, out of this group because West Virginia's defense is, is for real. Um, you got to give them credit. They they have been scrappy on that side of the ball. Um, I think it was five thousand games straight where TCU scored over twenty one points, and they held them held them underneath it, broke that streak. Uh, so they're very impressive. They have some big tests coming up. Obviously, uh, Oklahoma down the road here in a little bit. We're going to find out a lot about that West Virginia team, but I, I like West Virginia in the Big 12 over Baylor for sure. Right, I actually agree with you on this one too. West Virginia, my, my worst pick last week. I thought TCU would come in there and handle business. They did not. Uh, I was really impressed with how West mm-hmm. Virginia lined up and matched up with them defensively. I'm still not sold that any of these teams are for real, uh, but I would probably yeah. pick West Virginia over the other two. Baylor, I mean, how many times have we, how many times have we seen this, Sully, with Baylor, where it looks good against the weaker teams, they're putting up points, and then eventually they run into a bus saw. And I'm not saying it's Texas, but somebody that can slow them down on defense and then take advantage of them on the other side. So I, Baylor, it will run out. I'm just not exactly sure when. And then you have Nebraska, who nothing against the you know nothing against the Cornhuskers. I do enjoy a nice you know piece of corn every once in a while. But I think I think this is what happens in that Big Ten division. You have 
one side essentially stacked right now with how Ohio State and Michigan are doing and Penn State, you know, Michigan State last year, not so much this year. But Iowa last year had the benefit of a weaker schedule. We've seen Wisconsin get to this game. I think it's Nebraska's turn. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to win this week, but I think if they do, why couldn't they be undefeated going into the Big Ten title game? And still not exactly for real, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it, it's kind of the SEC East uh, uh, at, for sorts, where there's a lot of weak teams, definitely the weaker side of the conference. And they could, if they get it done this weekend, I think they're obviously coasting um, with Wisconsin with those two losses. Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Nebraska has to play either Michigan or Ohio State. Or no, they play Ohio State, sorry. But they don't, they don't have to play Michigan. You know, so I, th- I think they'll, they'll, uh, they'll handle the rest of that division. Uh, if they if they get over the biggest hurdle with in, in, in Wisconsin right. this weekend, right. I mean that's a tough task. I don't I don't mm-hmm. see it happening, um, but yeah, it, def, it, def, it definitely could happen if they if they get the W this weekend. Right, and I that was an oversight on my part. I didn't see that it was Ohio State this year on the schedule. Last year Iowa's schedule right. was just unbelievable. <laughs> Wisconsin at home, right. no Ohio State or Michigan. I mean, wow. Okay. Yeah, uh, no. They, they, or they Michigan State. Walking, but you got to give them credit. You got to give them credit, though. They, they did. They did have a heck of a showing there in the in the, uh, in the Tyler game. I didn't see him sticking sticking yeah. with Michigan State, and they and they, they sure did. Sure enough, they did. Right. We just got to make it. We just got to find a way to make sure Iowa and Wisconsin don't play each other uh, that much because it's one of the worst games. And I'm a Big Ten guy. Oh and that's my just God. A tough game to watch. Last week. Oh, that was so bad. It was the same as last year. Last year it was like a 10-6 <laughs> final. <laughs> 14, 14 six final, I think, or something like that. Yeah. That's just. Oh, that that is. That is uh, that is 1950s Big Ten right there, both both smiling down on that one. Yeah, that was before TV. I think that's uh, the biggest thing. It's the best game that you don't want to see. Uh, talk with sure. Sean Sullivan on the Money Mitch effect. Before we go into this week's previews and some picks, I want to step into the SEC your territory for a little bit and talk about two oh. teams on the rise, two teams that were arguably you know kind of left for dead. I think you could say LSU and Auburn struggling out of the gate, but have put together some nice wins this past week, LSU over Ole Miss, and then the thumping that Auburn gave Arkansas. Maybe the most impressive statement of the week next to Alabama's weekly statement. But those two teams, Sully, what's gotten them back into the game, so to speak? They're they're now playing for something as the season progresses. Uh, I think that it's, it's pretty simple. Um, they, they've established a run. Uh, Auburn, geez, I mean, talk about a run game. They ran up all up and down the Razorbacks back end. Like, it was unbelievable. From the get-go, first drive, they take it 80 yards, and you're like, all right, here we go. Um, and obviously, Auburn's slowing yeah. down. Uh, they, they have an Ole Miss team that I think is right there. I think they're 11, 12, 13th, right around where Arkansas is on rushing defense this week. And I think they're going to do the exact same thing. Not not to the extent uh, of, of what they did, you know, scored in the 50s, but I think they're going to all over Ole Miss and just put Ole Miss out of their misery. Um, this weekend, yeah. but LSU too, same thing. Um, I mean, and there you go. There's that Ole Miss team. Of course, Leonard Fournette's a whole different animal. Oh yeah. And Auburn certainly doesn't have him. Uh, but Leonard Fournette, what what a performance! What a, what a statement to come back uh, and 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 just demolish the Rebels. You, you, they came out firing in the first half. You're like, all right, Swag Kelly and the Rebels are back. But uh, quickly they figured out that that this was a this was a different Tiger team than than what we saw three four weeks ago. And you got to give credit to Coach O. That that guy's three zero. Um, I think he's something like nine and two. Uh, yeah. Big big at O. Coach. If he doesn't win a job, 
if he doesn't win this job, and I think he's got to beat Bama almost for them to keep him. But I think somebody's got to give this guy a look. So, you, uh, so that's interesting. The last two seasons, he'll get a job somewhere. You think he has to beat Bama to win this job? I mean, <laughs> he's done a very yeah, good no, job. Man, that's, that's a pretty tough. I, I think there, there's. I mean, they fired Les Miles halfway through the season. Uh, the, uh, LSU um, has their sights, and, and maybe maybe I'm wrong on that, uh, considering that they're the the shoe in for the LSU or Texas job. Herman's kind of floundering. Uh, in in Houston, and, and, and he might be their best bet right. um, it, it, to, to keep him on because he has learned. He he, he said um, that he's learned from his mistakes at Ole Miss, uh, and he's taken stuff from Kiffin and from Miles and, and kind of jammed it all together. And he's he's kind of step taken a step back and said, "Hey, you know, I, I'm not a quarterback guru. I'm not an offensive guru. I'm a defensive guy. You guys do your thing on your the offensive side of the ball." And it's and it's become a redemption for him the past three games, um, and, and and it's really rejuvenated this LSU team. They're playing hard for him. Obviously, it's his dream job. He's going to coach his tail off uh, these next few weeks and try to try to win this win this uh, tryout. But uh, you, you really do have to give him a pat on the back for for what he's done so far. Right, and I think also that you know you might have seen an LSU you know athletic department get rid of Les Miles uh, under false pretenses, so to speak. Auburn looks pretty mm-hmm. good. That wasn't as bad of a loss as it's as it's looking like. You know, they, they've got you know, Wisconsin's playing tough in the Big Ten. Yeah, they have two losses, but they're t- the two best teams in the Big Ten. So I don't know. And I, I agree with you on Ed Ogeron turning the team around with the run game. And one quick note, though. I don't know what's up with Sway Kelly and that offense because it's the same story every week where they come out looking great right. and then fizzle out in the and second half. And then it's flounder. It's flounder all yeah, over like, the place. Yeah, like we I've said, I've, said, I've said this before on your podcast. If you just put Ole Miss's first half and Tennessee's second half, <laughs> put them together, we're winning the Natty. Probably. So, and, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's still the same record. It's not a broken record. It's yeah, still yeah. going outside of, like, you know, losing 11 starters against the number one team in the country. Yeah. Tennessee's second half has been unreal, and Ole Miss has been, has been the same story in the first half. Right, and Auburn especially, you know, they look like a dangerous team. They get, you know, the Iron Balls, mm-hmm. a rivalry game. These two teams could make moves. Uh it's going to be interesting to see. And and one last note on the uh, the coaching decision that LSU is going to have to make. I like you know uh-huh. Ogeron Herman's an, an option too, but there's a guy in Louisville that likes to kind of live dangerously. That might just you know he's willing to make moves on his motorcycle with with people that he's having <laughs> he extramarital affairs. Yeah, so you know you know what I'm saying. I it would oh, not yeah. surprise me if that's a hat that gets thrown in the race and might be another option that LSU looks at. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then the uh, other name that is now rising, uh, bringing Western Michigan to where they are. Mm, this yeah. one's PJ Fleck. Oh, yeah. uh, that guy's going to get a job somewhere really soon, uh, if not this season. And it, it needs to be at a big place. The dude is awesome. I'm all on that guy's side. If you like, I want to run through a wall every single time I hear him speak. I can imagine putting on some pads and going out and playing. You know, the dude is electric. Row the Row the boat, as he says, and, and I'm, 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 all on, I'm all on the PJ Fleck train. You know, and I've, I've had a gap. You know, I've had a void in my life since uh, this, since Matt Foley Motivational Speakers, you know, stopped, and this guy's filling it, so that's good. I'm, I'm really uh, – Yeah, exactly, agreeable. exactly. Um, but, no, I, and I agree with that. I think he's going to get a, a big job. I think he's going to get a look. It might be LSU. He might have his choice. He might want to stay at Western Michigan. Um, but still, you know, the big coaching hire I want to see happen at some point. I want to see Wes Miles replace Kelly at Notre Dame. I just, I, that just has to happen. 
That would be so awesome. I know, oh, man. my God. Right? Matt Hatter that. At, at Notre Dame. That, I mean, A, he's one of the best recruiters out there. And the press conferences <laughs> that he could hold after, like, a big loss, just answering the crazy Notre Dame fans would <laughs> yeah. be so glorious. Oh, yeah, eating I mean, grass. and, hey, they, just... they, they, unfortunately, they just switched over to turf, but that old that old high grass at Notre Dame Stadium <laughs> – he would have he would have been yeah. all over it. I think he probably would have already taken the job at this point. Oh yeah. Uh, secretly under the table, if they still had that really high grass, because he'd be all over eating that stuff. And I mentioned last week on the show about how Brian Kelly, not just this year, obviously, but kind of a little on the overrated side, career uh, accomplishments had one year that. Oh man! Is an uh, I, I heard it. This this might be. Uh, I'm drinking my big orange Kool Aid <laughs> here, but I heard heard a question get brought up on uh, Knoxville Sports Radio the other week. Um, that was who would you rather have at this point, Bush Jones, uh, or, Brian, or who, uh, who was underneath Brian Kelly at Cincinnati and took over uh, mm-hmm. after he left? Who, who would you rather have at this point, Bush Jones or, or Kelly? And I think you got to go uh, Bush. I agree. At this I'm, point, I'm unbiased, and I would agree. I think you can yeah. look at the records and see. Um, I, I'm not, and I'm not the biggest. I'm not 100% sold on Butch Jones, but I think I've seen a lot of Kelly, and uh, I'm not a huge fan at the moment. Oh, before we get to picks, yeah. though, I want to get your take. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't talked to you since the ga- since the whole scandal happened. Scandal, I use that lightly. Yeah. LSU, Florida are going to play now. What was your thought process as a Tennessee fan? Oh, give, me whole, give me the whole give me the whole you know circle of life for that. <laughs> and and I think the SEC absolutely handle this the worst way possible. <laughs> I would say so. You come, oh my gosh, you come out, grab the bull by the horns, and say, and, and it came out afterwards, and, and I was obviously sweating about it there for a little bit, um, but the Georgia game doesn't look as good. At, at, at the moment, uh, or when it first came out, that they were not they were not going to play the game. Uh, the Georgia game looked okay. The Arkansas game looked really tough, so I wasn't sweating too much, but now I am very glad they're playing that game because Florida looks pretty good. Arkansas doesn't look as good after this past weekend. It looks like they're probably going to roll Georgia, although it's a rivalry game. They needed to play that game for us to make it to Atlanta, uh, and I don't see them stopping Leonard Fournette, period. But the SEC needed to come out, grab the bull by the horns, and say, look, if you guys don't play this game, you're both not going to Atlanta. It doesn't matter what you do. Florida, you could run the table, but yeah. you're not going to Atlanta because you just dodged. What Tennessee's out here getting getting playing two top ten opponents, and you're skipping your best opponent for the rest of the rest of the season. No, you are not going to win. <laughs> it ended up being that way, and I'm yeah. glad I'm glad it worked out. That is a major bullet for sure. Uh, I can only imagine what was going through your head, but ultimately it worked out. I figured it would. It would be just a colossal mess up on multiple levels. More more than just screwing over Tennessee. It would have been an embarrassing yeah. indictment of that conference. And uh, I think that's well, what Joe, Yeah. And, and Joe Oliva, the, the AD for LSU, I love that email's coming out. And saying, you know, it, it's Florida is literally dodging it. The SEC, exactly what we just said. The Florida Florida's dodging us. Look at Tennessee's schedule. If they don't play us, they're going to Atlanta. And it, the SEC has just handled this in the poorest way possible. And I love, I love that that stuff came out, and it, it's completely true. Oh, yeah. All right, Sean Sullivan, Money Mitch Effect. It's time to make some picks this week, and we'll stay in the SEC. We'll stay with Florida. Florida, Georgia, Sully. Florida, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Georgia is kind of in a free fall, but this is a rivalry game. Any chance for them here? 
yeah, I want to say so. Um, I really, really want to take him. Uh, but I, I just don't see uh, Jacob Eason having too much uh, uh, success against this uh, vaunted Gator secondary. They're down a couple guys in the on that defensive side of the ball. Georgia definitely has a shot, like you said, big robbery game. Never know what happens. Some mediocre Georgia teams have beaten uh, some damn good Florida teams over over uh, over the history of this robbery. But I just don't see it happening. I think Florida Florida ends up winning by a couple scores here. Yeah, I, and I'm not entirely sold on Florida, but Georgia, losing to Vandy, losing to some pretty poor opponents, um, I don't think they have it. And I, I think Florida's defense, notwithstanding the colossal meltdown that happened against your volunteers, I think they should be able to get a lead and hold on to it against Georgia. Uh, I do like Florida here. Speaking of your volunteers, South Carolina this week, Tennessee, been off a week, got through the roughest part of their schedule. 13.5-point favorites. Is there any part of you that's nervous going into this game? None. None. I mean, they're starting a 17-year-old quarterback against Derek Barnett. I think Barnett is going to live in the backfield. And the only thing that makes me not even really uneasy, not the word, just a little uncomfortable, is the fact that this has been the closest uh, SEC rivalry. It's not really a rivalry game, but closest SEC matchup uh, since the turn of the century. Um, And the last three have been really, really close. Um, and some mediocre balls teams, same thing. Mediocre balls teams have ruined South Carolina's uh, season. We knocked him out of the SEC title game three years ago with a, a, a Justin Worley led Tennessee yeah. offense. Yeah, that was um, a sight to see. Pretty bad, pretty bad. But yeah, I think we roll over the game, Cox. This is going to be absolutely ugly. About as ugly, but awesome in my opinion, as the, <laughs> the rumored uniform matchup. Evidently, this happens every year. And I hope that it finally happens this year, is that Tennessee might wear all orange, go with the creamsicles, and Ooh. South Carolina all black for the Halloween matchup. Oh. Would be a beautiful sight to see. <laughs> that's making me hungry, is what that's doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, speaking of awful, uh, we got one game that we wouldn't normally pick, but I need to bring this up because mm-hmm. it's actually amazing when you look at it. Missouri five-point right. favorites against Kentucky. Can we start relegating some of these teams, like especially out of the SEC? Seriously. <laughs> I don't. I mean, give me, yeah. give me, give me Appy State, Georgia Southern, a couple teams that are battling out tonight. Uh, <laughs> as, as we, as we, uh, as we talk here on Thursday night, yeah, I, I think <laughs> Missouri needs to go in football and basketball. Man, they were bad on both sports, <laughs> but give Kentucky credit; they're coming in hot. I, I, they've won, uh, I think, four of their last five. And I think that this is the most lopsided uh, line of the week. I, I lock it up. I'm, I'm taking Missouri. Wow. Or, or I'm taking Kentucky. Yeah. Excuse me. All, <laughs> okay. all day, all day. Taking Kentucky. They're coming in with a with a huge win. Uh, they almost Kentuckyed all over themselves last week. Uh, had a had a ten point lead driving the score against Mississippi State. Mississippi State returns a fumble, <laughs> seventy five yards for the yeah. for the touchdown to make it a game of it late. Actually took a lead, but. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Kentucky rolls Missouri here. They're they're they're, they're the much better team and, and playing with a lot of confidence right now. I just don't know how you give Missouri five points, five and a half point favorites against anyone. Like, I, yeah, how no, does that and, happen? And they just lost two, two their two best defenders to ACLs for the year. Yeah. There's no reason. I, I guess Vegas is sleeping. Sounds but like it. It, it. I don't know what you're doing here. This is a lock for Kentucky. That Missouri's looks... winning. It's going to be. Last-second field goal, something yeah. along those lines, because they're not going to be able to stop this crazy, crazy offense from Kentucky. Reverses all over the place. I love it. 
I'm with you on that one as well. Uh, if we go to the Big Ten really quick, man, what uh-huh. happened? Michigan State, uh, just a terrible, terrible season. They lose in Maryland last week. Michigan goes into East Lansing having not won in four years, 24-point favorites. So I think we know what, what the outcome is going to be, but my question is, do they cover 24 points? I think they do. I really do. I, I think yeah. this Michigan State team, bless their hearts, yeah. uh, definitely one of those teams that haven't been talented uh, from front to back, um, but they've been great for the last decade. Uh, but they're, 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 this is not a Michigan State team of old. Um, like you said, Maryland, not good, uh, and, and fall into them. So uh, I think if you look at Michigan being able to cover – easily with every game they've had 70 points against Rutgers obviously Michigan State's better than Rutgers but I think they're, they're going to go at, they're going to go out uh, for revenge after last year what happened to them they're out for blood big rivalry game they're going to try to bury the Spartans absolutely bury them yeah it's uh, I think it's going to be ugly Michigan State lost all their talent on the back end of that defense offense yeah. they're kind of they're unsure are they a running team or are they a passing team it's not good. Michigan's they probably going to have four Trey Wayne's back there, and I still don't think they have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> last year they should have lost this game. This year, I think Michigan's going to make sure they leave it no doubt. And uh, the other quickly, mm-hmm. the other Big Ten games, uh, Ohio State. I don't know if they cover against Northwestern twenty-seven, but this is an Urban Meyer revenge game, and he is pretty good after a loss, getting the team back. We saw against Michigan last year after the Michigan State game. And I like Wisconsin to win, but not to cover. I think Nebraska keeps us close, but nine and a half points is a lot. And that Wisconsin offense is not exactly a juggernaut. Yeah, I agree. I think Wisconsin wins. It's going to be another one of those 14-7, 21-14 21-14 games, not high scoring. Uh, definitely take the under on this one. But, yeah, yeah, I think Ohio State. What, what time is that game? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, it is actually is it, is it a... a that it was is a night game. 3.30? Oh, night game. Okay, yeah. well, that, that's a little better. Um, I was expecting, like, a noon game, doors work on the call, nice and sleepy. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, uh, I, I can't see them covering a noon game, but maybe night game will get up. They'll roll Northwestern. Yeah, that could be a, a very interesting game. And I'm not – we talked about this earlier. I, I think Baylor will eventually lose. I'm just not seeing Texas. I don't see that as the trend. No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't know what people are seeing. I guess. I guess they're they're um, thinking Bouchelle's going to come out and play like he did against an awful Notre Dame team. Has, has come to figure it out. But I, I, I don't see Texas. I would love to see it happen. I would, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Baylor getting exposed for the team that they actually are, that we all think they are. But it's it's not it's not going to happen this week. Texas is bad, even even at home. Uh, Baylor, Baylor, Baylor wins this one in the line slide. And here's one of my statement games I really like this week on the road. The number four team in the country trying to prove they belong. I think Washington goes into Utah and rolls the Utes. Ten and a half points, I think they'll be able to cover that. I'm, You know, you, you turn me out of this team, I think they can make a statement. They have a lot riding on them in the Pac-12, but I like Washington here. Right, right, exactly. Uh, you know, obviously, you're a big Prince fan, and you love the nickname Purple Rain. That's of course. About a few weeks ago. <laughs> They're going to keep it going. They're going to keep it rolling. Uh, it's going to be raining purple all over the field. Uh, game day is going to be their big game. I really do like Utah. I still think they have a, a really good chance to win in the South. But and, and this might be a rematch. This might be a preview of, of, of a Pac-12 title game. But I think Washington gets it done. It's not huge, but I think they win by double digits. 
And no, I was uh, I was mistaken. That Ohio State game is actually during the day. I apologize for that. We could see. So it's going to be the three thirty local. So okay, not exactly okay, the okay. New, not, not you know, as bad as, yeah. a, as a sleepy new game. No. And then the, the last game I want to get to, probably the game of the week, Florida State and Clemson. An interesting line on this game. Clemson started as two point favorites, and the line has shifted to four and a half. Clemson. I'm going Seminoles this week. I think they're going to pull off the upset at home. I, I don't think the Clemson has played well. They dodged the bullet against NC State two weeks ago. They've been inconsistent at times. Give me Florida State with their season on the line at home in this rivalry game. I agree. They're backed into a corner. Doak Walker is going to be absolutely rocking. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just, <laughs> Doak Campbell, excuse me. Um, <laughs> Doak Walker, yeah. yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> Yeah, Walker, uh, Doe Campbell, but I think it's Clemson. I, I think Deshaun Watson needs to make a statement, and he, he on a big time stage. He got he got faced uh, completely uh, uh, outclassed by Lamar Jackson last time he was in this in this uh, in this situation. I think he needs to come out and remind everybody that he is a Heisman hopeful, and Clemson's going to pull it on, off on the road. But I, I think it's definitely going to be the game of the week. I am salivating to watch this one. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah. And imagine, though, if Florida State, I definitely think Clemson could win this game and should be, you know, the, a four or five point favorite is pretty fair. It's still yeah, out it, way too close. Yeah, I think it's a pick em, to be honest with you. This is, it, you really put it, uh, put it well. The FSU is playing for their season, backed into a corner. They're going to be ready to rock. Uh, and Chief Hostile is going to get the crowd fired out there at night. It, it, I, I can't wait. Uh, can we kick this sucker off now? Cause I'm I, ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I mean, we, saw, we saw Pitt beat Virginia Tech earlier tonight or uh, Virginia Tech beat Pitt earlier tonight, excuse me, uh, but we're ready for more football. And I'm just, maybe it's part of the Joker, you know, the Heath Ledger side of me. I just want chaos uh-huh. as well. If Florida State wins this game, we have a three-way tie in the in the ACC, and I would love to chaos. see that. Yeah, chaos there. We got Louisville moving up, the playoff door wide open. If this upset happens, I couldn't wait for the right. possibilities there, so... We'll see. Oh, I'm I, I'm all for chaos being a fan of a two-loss team. I need chaos to happen. I need the ball to win out, which is likely, uh, and then and then somehow find a way to beat Bama or, or Auburn or somebody in the in the towel game back in for even to have a prayer. But yeah, I want chaos, uh, and it, it can easily happen. Seven of the nine undefeated teams are on the road this weekend, so yeah. I, I I think there we we can count on a couple of those dominoes to fall. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I mean, it, it already happened last week with Ohio State pulling, and I think it, it, it's going to be a wild ride the rest of the season. I can't wait either, Sean Sullivan. Thanks for uh, joining the show. Hey, by the way, we're going to switch sports here. But can we talk about those San Antonio Spurs? Can we just talk about what they did oh against the Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> wow. What an opening statement. Are you kidding me? Oh, and, yeah. and, and hopefully Mono's doing well. He just had... Uh, testicle surgery after getting a little knock, oh, and he man. said he gave his he gave his right, quote he gave his right one for the Spurs. That's how much commitment the old man <laughs> has for our Spurs and uh, this team. Whew, I, I, you know, hopefully they can keep it up uh, for eighty games. But man, they they look wow, they look good right off the gate. That, that Leonard guy is uh, he's pretty good. Kawhi Leonard, I, yeah, I think he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, working with Kobe in the off season, uh, some that step back was sweet, and then Simmons. Talk about a story. Dude, dude, Pain his way to try to get a tryout, and and now look at him throwing down tomahawk dunks, looking like LeBron on a, on a, coming hustling back to have a block. Uh, that, that that team is is locked and loaded, and 
you know Popovich was going to have him ready. Oh, I mean, wow. we missed our boy Tam, but wow, like watch out. That that team's that team's not going anywhere. Yeah, and uh, I know we're we're mutual fans of this team, but uh, I think we can I think we can agree with the following statement. You know, you can have your super team. We'll take Pop. I like our chances. Ten times out of ten, no <laughs> doubt about it. All right, Sean Sullivan, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect, and uh, talk to you definitely down the road as this college football season keeps going and going. No doubt about it, man. Enjoy the weekend. I cannot wait for these play games. Always a good time talking to Sully, talking college football, and of course talking Spurs. You know, I'm all about that San Antonio Spurs basketball team. But a lot of good college football games this week. A lot to talk about there. And before I forget, the World Series is knotted up at one game apiece. It comes an Indians deadlocked at one going to Chicago for three. I had a chance to go down to uh, downtown during game one. Great scene in downtown Cleveland as the Indians won. This is going to be a dogfight series. Just do me one favor, whether you're an Indians fan or a Cubs fan, don't blame the announcers. Don't hold grudges against biases that don't exist. Just enjoy the game, have fun, root for your team. It's not going to happen much as you're not going to see your team in the World Series every year. All right, now it's time to talk with Tom Weisenbach. Tom is a good friend of mine, works at the NFL Network at Fox Sports. And we're going to talk NFL football week seven. It was, uh, it was interesting, let's just put it that way. Week eight. A lot of good matchups. Who's hot? Who's not? This isn't a dating reference. This is NFL football on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, week seven of the NFL season is in the books. And here to recap that and look ahead to week eight, we have Tom Weisenbach rejoining the show. Second time, reoccurring guest. Tom, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. My pleasure, Mitch. So, Tom, if we look back at week seven, uh, I know there's a lot of stories to kind of cover, and I don't think none that really make your uh, appetite as uh, happy as the Philadelphia Eagles knocking off the Vikings, giving the Vikings their first loss of the season. And it was an interesting game. The Eagle defense really doing the brunt of the work. 21 uh, points were scored in the game, but a lot of defensive points for uh, the Eagles. How is Philadelphia able to do what no team has been able to do against Minnesota, neutralize their offense? Well, yeah, you're right. It started with the defense. It was a very, very sloppy first half. Five turnovers to both teams in the first quarter, even. What I noticed is that the Eagles defense did not let the Vikings offense score the red zone. Uh, I know uh, that's been a tough aspect of Sam Bradford's game in the past between pass, pass rush and, and the secondary being able to make the plays uh, we were able to neutralize the Vikings and it seemed like the Vikings uh, injuries are still kind of creeping up on them a little bit the Eagles were coming off of a, a tough loss to Washington and it seemed like the stars were aligning for you know every week in the NFL you know something's going to happen that's mm-hmm. unexpected but I think this was the expected unexpected outcome of this game going into Sunday. Eagles at home playing against an undefeated Vikings team, still decimated by injuries, but uh, rolling at the time. Right, and, you know, I think the start being sloppy, it definitely, um, you know, it definitely neutralized Minnesota's strategy, which has been getting an early lead and putting the clamps on defensively. 
Philadelphia, you're, you know, the Eagle defense coming out and getting in Sam Bradford's head, getting, you know, maybe it was a, a little bit of a revenge game, but uh, I thought by coming out and set the tone on defense, you know, it put them in a position, the Vikings, that they weren't really used to. And I was, in, I was very uh, impressed with the gritty performance of Carson Wentz. It wasn't great, but he made enough plays down the stretch, and he overcame uh, a poor uh, start, which... You know, it's going to happen if you're a quarterback in this league. I think dealing with adversity and not playing your best, being able to bounce back, and I thought he did a pretty good job of that. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, found Doriel Green Beckham there at the goal line. I really just, every time I see him, I, I like enjoy his poise at the line of scrimmage. He seems to be able to dissect what's going on. The Vikings are a really uh, talented group uh, themselves on defense, and they showed that with uh, the interception and the couple of fumble recoveries. It was... Uh, I think there was a sloppy handoff exchange where Wentz fumbled. Uh, they should get that cleaned up. The uh, Eagles have not been very disciplined at the ball club lately. They've led the league in penalties the last couple of weeks. And that's my real concern moving forward is that they have to clean up the procedural stuff, get on the same page, and, uh, and let this rookie quarterback kind of do his thing. The one... Uh, complaint from Wentz has been he's been acting a little too Brett Farby. <laughs> yeah. Headlines out of out of uh, out of Philly right now is that will the fans eventually turn on him because of his risky behavior and uh, his head coach Doug Peterson was once upon a time Brett Favre's backup. Right. So there's a little bit is that in is that what he's being taught? Uh, Peterson claims that it's all in his mechanics and he just got to keep working on his mechanics to be able to perfect these throws and that's all the development of a quarterback which is encouraging. Right, no, I think sometimes you do have to take the good with the bad with a rookie quarterback and he has looked great at times but it is still, you know, a work in progress as the schedule gets harder. I mean, we discussed this before. You know, the Eagles had not the easiest schedule but one of the easiest schedules to start and now the schedule becomes one of the toughest in the next couple weeks so He'll have his work cut out for him, for sure. Uh, I wanted to uh, switch to the AFC now and talk about the Denver Broncos, Tom, who lost two games in a row, were without their head coach for the second one, without their starting quarterback in that stretch. But they bounced back against a Houston Texans team on Monday Night Football. Are we still high on Denver? I know they started off undefeated, but are you high on them as a Super Bowl contender, or are they falling back to earth? Well... Denver is a Super Bowl contender. You know that AFC West is so tough right now. It really um, is. At the same time, all the teams in that division have yet to prove something. So that's probably the most wide-open division in the league right now. Uh, and it, it, the NFL continues to be a week-to-week business. Uh, they had the added storyline of Brock Osweiler returning to Denver after uh, a full seven-game stretch there as their quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> both yeah. will based on his experience. I know they won a Super Bowl, but it was still Peyton Manning's team, and he was still just there as a stopgap. But uh, the Broncos being a Super Bowl contender, I think, is fair. That defense uh, is still incredible, and as long as they keep winning games in their division, that's going to be the key. I know the Chiefs and the Raiders are really uh, nipping up their heels. The Raiders are probably one of the best road teams in the league, and if the Broncos can sneak into the playoffs, of course, everybody has a chance, and it seems like... uh, by continuing to win games that are on the schedule, like uh, a home game versus the Texans, they're on the right track to do that. Right. Now, obviously, you know, C.J. Anderson's season-ending injury is a, is a crippler, but 
Um, you know, the two losses they had to a Falcons team when their quarterback wasn't able to, to go. Uh, and the Chargers, that's a division rivalry. Rivers has had success there. I don't put too much stock into losing a couple games, uh, which every team is going to do at some point in the year. Uh, yeah, like you said, the defense, with when they have a defense like that, they're always going to be in every game. And I think that keeps them in that contender range by default. Simeon's looked good. They haven't asked him to do much, but he's not... Uh, He's not taking the unnecessary risks that could ruin uh, their chances. On the flip side, though, Tom, is there a team that does what they're supposed to do more than the Houston Texans? And what I mean by that is they're going to beat the bad teams and they're going to lose to the good teams? Yeah, that's still kind of, uh, I was joking yesterday that, that the Jaguars are perennially a year away. And it seems that that's kind of like the next tier above that would be the Houston Texans, is that they'll maybe sneak into the playoffs each year and... If they win a game, it would be saying something. I believe T.J. Yates won their last playoff game. He did. Accurate. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the Texans are still kind of that middling NFL franchise. But, uh, you're still waiting for, we thought that Brock Osweiler was going to be the quarterback to lead them, and he still may. They have a running back now. They have great uh, wide receivers. Uh, tight end is being real productive to C.J. Pedrowitz. They just, if they, I mean, Clowney's picking up the slack from J.J. Watt, but imagine if they had both of those healthy, it seems like they never are together. Um, but yeah, I would totally agree with the Houston Texans are, um, just continue to, to be what, who we thought they were. They <laughs> yeah. are from Yeah, and I just want to congratulate everyone in Houston in advance on their 8-8 uh, eight eight division title. Um, congratulations on that. <laughs> no, I, I agree I'm with... I'm pulling out, hope for the Colts. <laughs> I hope so, but that division is, you know, they could clean up in their division uh, with how poor the play is there, uh, although the Titans yeah. are coming on. But, yeah, I, I think there's still a, a definitely a sizable gap away from that next level, which is uh, unfortunately a shame. Uh, there, talking with Tom Weisenbach on the Money Mitch effect. Sunday night, the Seahawks and Cardinals played in a slugfest that, I don't know if it was a gritty defensive matchup or something that tried to set football back a couple decades or somewhere in the middle. What was your thought on that game, a 6-6 tie in the desert? I will let you know that I actually watched every second of that game. And as the <laughs> overtime kicked, uh, kept ticking by, we, uh, my roommate and I collectively came to the conclusion that it was going to be a tie. Uh, <laughs> Good call. <laughs> even an unbelievable uh, game. It seems like they did set football back. However, they were playing it in an old-school way. Uh, the Cardinals, halfway through the game, realizing that the Seahawks were getting nothing offensively going, just uh, decided to play for the 3 nothing win and uh, one block punt uh, yeah. changed the outcome of that game. So the main issue that I have with that was the, the product on the field was wretched with every other play being a holding penalty on either a receiver or a tight end, uh, every positive play, and then with the injuries also, the, the pace of play has uh, gone in free fall. The game took however many hours to finish and uh, ended up with six points. I'm, I'm not opposed to a defensive game, a good defensive game. Uh, I just I just don't know what they could do about this one. The, the field goal kickers uh, missed their missed their shots, and and you know what? We're not we're not 
not talking about I mean, it's we're not talking about this game tomorrow if one of those kickers wins the last second or you know something unique happened in the game. So we're still talking about it. Right, and I'm I'm with you on the argument that I like defensive football, but that was kind of uh, off the rails, so to speak. Uh, there were a lot of penalties. Cardinals, look, they should have won this game, and it's their own fault that they didn't by how conservative that they got. Um, and it could cost them the division. I mean, they're they're you know three three and one right now. Another uh, a couple losses back still from Seattle in the win column. I just think. It's a combination of them being conservative, the holding, or all the penalties, as well as the injuries piling up. And that kind of leads me to another question, Tom, of is the quality of play, we've kind of noticed a trend here. There have been some great games this year in the NFL, certainly. But are you noticing a trend of the quality of play kind of trending downward in the last couple of weeks this season? Yeah, I think the main reason for that is the injuries. My theory on on pace of play and, and just lack of good product out on the field is that they keep, you know, next man up is the NFL's, every NFL team's motto, and, and sometimes the next man up just isn't good enough, and the NFL doesn't really have a developmental league to produce. They've done a good job with the regional combine and trying to get people to try to find the talent, but they're not able to develop the talent once they cut them, and they're sitting on their, their couch, so uh, I don't know if that's an uh, avenue that, that the NFL is thinking about now. I believe there's a headline about potentially doing that, but between the inconsistent refereeing, I believe the, uh, the difference in penalty calls from the most flagged referees to the least flagged is somewhere around 70%, and that's just too high. They need to have that. I, there's a lot of judgment call fouls, and some teams do commit more penalties. It's just slowing the game down. People don't want to see <laughs> all day. I was looking at you working at the NFL. We're looking up at the top, at the bank of all the games and the TVs. And there was a time on Sunday when I looked up, there might have been seven games on, and, and three or four of them were showing a referee at the same time, <laughs> explaining the action on the field. And nobody wants to see that. People want to see the big plays. If there's a, a 10 or 20 yard play, you're always looking for the flag. If there's a great defensive play, everybody's looking around for the flag. So I think the main reason for pace of play would be lack of talent in the league to step up for injuries and uh, the inconsistent referee. Right. No, I uh, I agree with that. I think part of it is on the officiating side. There's just too many penalties being called. Uh, but also, you do have, uh, and I think another argument to be made is the way the salary cap structure is. It's so much more affordable to play these young guys with no experience. Uh, who aren't who haven't been developed yet? So you're seeing a lot of uh, mistakes and some careless football, um, and I don't think it, the you know ratings aren't really being threatened because the NFL is just so much you know further ahead of everybody of every other sport. But you know compared to itself, it's kind of struggling. We we're used to higher quality of football and for whatever reason. That's just not happening. Another theory on that, sorry, is uh, just the CBA and how they can't practice as much as they used to, which could be contributing to these procedural penalties, false starts, holding. Right, and then you see the teams that do practice maybe too much, like Pittsburgh, and you know they're dealing with injuries. So it's a uh, it's a fine line. I think they the NFL is still trying to figure out what the perfect balance is, and ultimately might never get there. Uh, but speaking of good football, though, Tom, uh, the New England Patriots with their quarterback back are rolling. 
Uh, they improved to 6-1 and one on the season and beat the Steelers 31-17. to 17. I know Pittsburgh didn't have Big Ben, but are we at a point now where we can say New England is the best team in football? Yeah, I think New England is uh, the Alabama of the NFL right now with them being number one and everybody else just hoping to either avoid them and let somebody else beat them in the playoffs or, or uh, hopefully find a weakness in them by December, January. They just continue to Belichick and his defense seldom revered, uh, but, but they kept them in those games when Tom Brady was on suspension. They dealt through injuries that everybody has dealt with. Garrett Blunt is, uh, yeah. uh, for some reason, he, could take, he was a cast off from Pittsburgh. I mean, he played for, obviously, the, the Patriots and went to Pittsburgh. But for a guy who apparently had character issues, Coming out of college, you know, that, that infamous punch uh, against Boise State when he was at Oregon, and and the I guess the marijuana that he and Le'Veon Bell got involved with. The forgot with so many characters, he seems to always flourish in uh, New England under the structure that Bill Belichick and that program has put forth. Uh, Tom Brady has veteran receivers now, and Chris Hogan shouldn't be overlooked in that group. Uh, Martellus Bennett, a great addition. Who are you going to cover on that on that secondary? If you're going to decide to take away Rob Gronkowski, Martellus Bennett's going to destroy you. Bottle up the middle and try and beat Julian Edelman. Chris Hogan's going to take that. If you know James White even on the in the backfield, yeah. if Deion Lewis returns, there's just countless amounts of weapons Tom Brady has to work with, and that defense is going to continue to put the clamp down, especially if a opponent is going to have to drop back four times a game to catch up. Right, I agree with the offensive side of it that if, you know, and Brady's such a smart quarterback, he'll take whatever the defense gives him. He has too many toys to play with, two tight ends, several receivers, running backs that can catch passes. But I'd also say, too, Tom, that we mentioned, it goes back to our old argument, you know, we were talking about the quality of play being down, uh, teams struggling, teams not well coached. I think that helps the Patriots even more, you know, having to play against these teams. Uh, gives them such a sizable advantage because they are so well coached, because they don't commit penalties, because they're able to just outsmart not box teams, even if they are short on talent in some areas. Totally agree. I just think with Belichick, with his system, with his structure, if you don't play a clean game, they will beat you, regardless of how much talent you have. So I think you know, it's tough. I mean, all these teams are struggling. We don't have any undefeated teams left. Every team has shown some serious vulnerability, except the Patriots. It's going to be scary. It looks like they're back, at least in the AFC Championship game again. Uh, still a lot to play. Talking with Tom Weisenbach on the Money Mitch effect. And at Week 7, now we've, we've seen uh, almost halfway through the season, Tom, some teams streaking up and streaking down. Let's just mention a few teams going in the right direction. The AFC West, you touched on earlier going up with Oakland and Kansas City, both uh, on winning streaks. Oakland, well, they've only won one game in a row, but they're 5-2. and two. Kansas City's won their last two. They're 4-2. and two. Suddenly, And San Diego's winning as well. This is suddenly, maybe, I mean, with the NFC East, one of the toughest divisions in football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we touched on it earlier. The Raiders winning on the road, 4-0 on the road. That's impressive, uh, no matter who you are, who you're playing. A lot of times, they're they're and, and playing these games uh, early, especially. Um, and, and they're taking care of business. Derek Carr developed and the mixture of Amari Cooper and, and Michael Crabtree is one of the best receiver duos in, in the 
cities and that's pretty typical Andy Reid to me. <laughs> I think I'm yeah. going uh, right. They get a lead and then yeah, they get a lead and then they run their ten minute offense and it works. <laughs> yeah, we would always our heads as Eagles fans during his year as uh, well. They're you know extremely good when they run the ball X amount of times, but they were only running the ball those amount of times when they were uh, nursing a lead late in the game. So it was that double edged sword there. Uh, but their defense continues to be good. Given how the other divisions in the AFC have struggled, I don't think it's that far of a stretch to think it's possible three of these teams can make the playoffs. You know, we could see Kansas City, Denver, and Oakland all in, uh, depending on if the Bengals or the Ravens, who we'll also mention, get better, what the Bills' situation is. I don't see more than one team in the AFC South coming out of it. It's possible. Yeah, the, the AFC, I think the Bills are the only team that I challenging for it. The, the Bengals, they're kind of a Jekyll Hyde team. You're not really sure which one you're going to get. And uh, the Ravens, uh, kind of the same way. They're, they seem like one of those uh, middle-tier college teams that could come out and, like a Penn State, that come out and beat Ohio State. Sorry for the jab. Baltimore could come out and just throw the ball over the yard uh, on any given Sunday, so Right, and uh, we also should mention the Detroit Lions, Tom, that were left for dead, and suddenly Matt Stafford is the king of the fourth quarter comebacks with what he's been able to do, making this team confident yet again. Yeah, I was heard a stat that a quarter of Matthew Stafford's games played in the NFL have uh, been a fourth quarter comeback that he's uh, been the architect of, wow. which is an incredible stat. Washington could have won that game, but you know what, Stafford in that building... Kind of always, we've seen it before, always pull, find a way to pull it out. Uh, Lions beat the NFC East pretty good. Up to, I'm not sure if they played the Cowboys yet, but you know, they beat the Redskins the Eagles, which we were just talking about, maybe one of the best, better divisions in the league. Um, so obviously they're proving. I know they're in third place right now in the, in the NFC North. Uh, Packers seem to be stagnant right now. Losing Eddie Lacy, trying to figure out what to do in that backfield. Aaron Rodgers still not right. Again, that offense is still struggling early, um, but we all anticipate that that will end fairly soon. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. That for weeks now, but who knows what's going to happen? But the fact that the Lions are back to, you know, a decent record at the very least, given the talent disparity that they have in some of these games, is just a credit to what Stafford can do, especially. Uh, when the game's on the line. If we look now, Tom, at the flip side of this, some teams that are struggling, we could get to the Browns and the Niners, but, you know, they're just bad teams. Uh, but the Falcons, the Rams, and the Ravens are the three I wanted to touch on first. 
because they were riding high a couple weeks ago. Now the Falcons have tumbled a couple times. The Ravens have lost four straight, and the Rams are back to under 500. Uh, are we ready to do at least write off some of these teams as threats at all? It may be time to write the Rams off. We were really excited about the three, <laughs> uh, three and one start. They lost their last three. Tough one against uh, the Giants in London. Uh, Case Keenum, I mean, Case Keenum throwing to Tavon Austin and Tavon Austin uh, just kind of setting it volleyball style for the Giants. Landon Collins to to catch it and bring it back for a touchdown. The the Rams have a decision to make regarding uh, Case Keenum and and Jared Goff. They got to figure out who they want for the future, and they think I feel like they still think they're in the playoff hunt at 500. Everybody kind of still on the mix. Uh, who else are we looking at struggling? And when the Ravens, yeah. though, I mean, and I agree with you there, but the Ravens are a team that I, I know the numbers look bad and they've lost four straight games. Um, and, you know, they won their first three playing some weak teams, but they're not getting blown out. I think they could be decent this year. I think they could be in the playoff hunt, uh, but they got to clean up and end the games. They're, it's almost like the reverse Stafford and the Lions. They find a way to blow all these games in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it looks like their net points given up is only minus six. So they're they're still they seem to be in every game. Uh, the point differential not outrageous. They're not getting blown out, um, and they're still in second place in the division with Cincinnati as uh, some of those teams in the limbo. Not really sure what to make of them. The AFC is so difficult to predict because if you're gonna any any division aside from the AFC East is basically still figuring out how to beat the Patriots. And until somebody <laughs> yeah. figures out how to beat the Patriots, we have to send our best representative up to beat them. Yeah. And, uh, and again, we'll have to see who that is. So it seems to me to be a futile attempt to try <laughs> trying to uh, win your division to get to, to seemingly have hope for a Super Bowl championship. But again, everything goes through New England. So right. even if you're not looking good in Week 7, Week 8, you got to start rolling around Week 10 through on the rest of the year once the, the playoff scenarios start heating up. Right, and I think Atlanta, too, is a team that's going to benefit by playing in a bad division in the NFC, so I think they should still be okay given how far Carolina's fallen off um, to win the division, but these losses don't bode well for their postseason chances if and when they do uh, get in the playoffs. And then obviously San Francisco and Cleveland are just bad football teams. Um the Browns can't keep a quarterback healthy to save their lives. It's the most dangerous job in America. And Chip Kelly might have the worst roster in the entire league. So that's what those two fan bases have. Both have minus 75, <laughs> minus 77 that point. Good Lord. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we can safely cross them off then. I think that's uh, that's fair. <laughs> Tell the playoff hunt. Talking with Tom Weisenbach on the Money Mitch effect. Before we get into week eight, Tom, real quickly, could you give me one team on both ends of the spectrum, one team that's struggling now that you think could make a move towards the playoff race, and a team that's looking like they're good but you think could fall off in the second half of the season? One struggling team that could be in the playoff race. Uh, I'm looking at the NFC South. I'm looking at AFC South. Mm, Yeah, that's smart to go. (laughs) The... Colts, Colts in the AFC South, I told you, spoiled that, but I still think they have a shot at, at turning it on. Their offensive line is pretty dreadful, but if Andrew Luck can get hot and start winning games, they can make a 
team in the South. I know the, the well, that was the, the Broncos who lost C.J. Anderson, but the Panthers getting Jonathan Stewart back. We were just talking about the free fall of that division. One and five, you're not out of it. They can go on a run and become five and five by week 10. And then in most win scenarios, they're no stranger to that. Uh, kind of win a bunch of games in a row. They did that last year. They won a whole bunch of games in a row. And if they turn it on, they can, they can make it happen. The NFC South is really no, no team that's a juggernaut or Falcons are the favorite right now, but they haven't proven much and uh, just lost to the Chargers at home. So if any, if any team is going to make the playoffs that are mm-hmm. currently struggling, four losses in a row would be the uh, NFC champion, Carolina Panthers. Right. I, I'm, I'm still going to say the Bengals, I think, could still make a move in a pretty poor uh, AFC. Uh, and then two teams, I guess, I don't want to bash your Eagles too much, but that schedule is brutal in the next couple weeks. So that could be, uh, this game is huge there. But I would say the Bills, I'm still not sold on that team. It's a nice story that they were able to bounce back. But I'm just not seeing it. I'm just not. So um, that's who I'm going to go with there. Uh, now we go on to week eight. And before we get to picks and previews, um, last night's game, Titans-Jaguars, might have been the end of uh, both the Blake Bortles and the Gus Bradley era when we look back at it, Tom. But Mariota, on the other hand, for the Titans, he did look pretty good, and it looks like Tennessee has something brewing with him, at least. Yeah, Mariota has been playing well the last month or so of the season. Uh, Blake Bortles continues to put up numbers, but in garbage time when the game is way out of hand. Gus Bradley, defensive <laughs> uh, expert with Seattle a few years ago, I remember. Yeah. As an Eagles fan, when we were in the midst of hiring Chip Kelly, everybody was on the ghost bus uh, to hire him for the uh, meeting that eventually hired Chip Kelly. Uh, we're most happy that we dodged that bullet at this point because the defense isn't playing uh, nearly as up to par of what you would expect the customer of the defense to be. Giving up 36 points to the Titans team. Uh, who has an Euclidean tomorrow, Omari Derrick Henry, a little one-two action there. And Mariota's doing what he has to do. If you give a, a young quarterback a running game, and they'll show you, they'll show you what they can do with Dak Prescott. Yeah. I think, and yeah, I mean, the Titans, it's looking good. They might need more weapons for Mariota, but on the Jacksonville side, they just need to move on. I think they just need to move on from their head coach and probably from Bortles, too. I saw a stat this morning, Tom. Bortles has thrown 300 yards in his career 10 times, and the Jaguars are 0-10 in those games. So, I mean, there is. I think the debate's over. I think we have a king of garbage time, and it's Blake Bortles. I don't I don't think there's anyone threatening him right now. Yeah, buddy, mine in my fantasy league, actually, in the middle of the game, uh, right around halftime, just said, Bortles sucks. I'm trading everybody. Uh, of course, later in the game, he had 337 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, for a good fantasy day, and again, the last touchdown was with uh, about two minutes left in the game, maybe. So, yeah, King of Garbage Time, like Portals, absolutely. He is in Florida still with UCF. Had some good weapons there at UCF. Uh, had good weapons in Jacksonville down there. And Tom Robinson was kind of on the winner's protection this, this year. <laughs> Apparently. Last year. Yeah. Julius Thomas, who performed very well with Peyton Manning. I know it's Peyton Manning, but three receptions for 28 yards. 
touchdown, but he's just not consistent. They have two tight ends. They're kind of like the poor man's work, and then Bennett with Julius and Mercedes Lewis. Right. And putting up 50 yards and a touchdown each there, you know, putting up 25 and maybe a touchdown or uh, not. But I agree. The uh, it's time to move on with the Jaguars. We were talking about teams that are perennially a year away with with the Texans earlier, but the Jaguars are the lower tier of that. And you, can, you continue to wait for them to break out with all these weapons. And you talk that you know, T.J. Yeldon and Blake Bortles, Alan Hearns, and Alan Robinson are going to finally put it together. And they seem to just have all these names in Jacksonville. Those. Right. Yeah. Uh, never developed, so. Yeah, and they need to figure something out in Jacksonville. Uh, but again, another Jaguars-Titans call rush game uh, on Thursday night football. Uh, just get excited about the NFL. <laughs> Talking with Tom Weisenbach on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, it's time to preview Week 8. Weekly contest we do on this show. Three picks, a lock, a game we think is going to be closer than the experts project, and an upset. Tom, do you have a lock of the week that you're feeling confident with? It's getting tougher with these bye weeks now, but is there one game you're feeling on the uh, lock front? My lock of the week was Monday Night Football. It was obviously the Vikings beating the Bears. That's, yeah. That's a good pick. I mean, that's one that, after a loss going to Chicago, um, the Bears are struggling. They're going to go back to Cutler. Um yeah, I can't say I disagree with that. The Vikings are going to come back focused. They had a bye week and people, you know, pumping their tires a little bit. They lose. I agree with that. Um, I don't see that game being too close. I had a couple that I was looking at, and with all due respect to New England getting revenge on Buffalo, which I think will happen, I like Seattle going into New Orleans and winning that game. I'm just, I'm not sold on those Saints. And I think Seattle got a wake-up call and a tie last week. I like the Seahawks. I know it's indoors, but... Uh, I think New Orleans uh, is kind of fool's gold, and I think the Seahawks got to be looking, Tom, at the NFC being wide open. This They have to start asserting themselves. I think this is a golden opportunity for that team and that defense. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The upset pick that I'm going to pick is a uh, contradictory statement for what I just said about the team that made the playoffs, but if Arizona's going to make a statement, this is the week to do it. They're pissed off because they tied to the Seahawks. Yeah. This is a rival. Arizona goes into Carolina. It is an early game, so Arizona may struggle early on uh, on the East Coast, but I'm going to pick Arizona to beat Carolina. Okay, that's no, that's interesting. So we'll do, yeah, we'll do upsets now, and I think, you know, I'll give you this one because Carolina is a favorite in this game, surprisingly, if they're a 1-5 record, but... Yeah, okay. I mean, that's a game where Arizona early time zone struggling, Carolina in a game that they absolutely have to have. They have a prayer of anything. Yeah, that is an interesting upset pick. Um, I'm going to, for my upset pick, I had a couple that I was tossing around. And this is an interesting week for Lions because we don't have a line greater than 6.5 points. So you have to be a little more uh, creative with your upset picks. But... Exactly. In that case, I'll I'll get back on the bandwagon that I was on, uh, you know, with you a little earlier. I'll say as home underdogs, the Colts beat the Chiefs. I'm still I'm still not sure what to make of this Kansas City team. They're favored on the road. 
I think the Colts are a team that could scrap together this win. I like Indianapolis in this one to get my upset. Yeah, with that, I think of uh, the playoff matchup a few years ago. I believe it was just a crazy matchup. It might have been Luck's rookie year or, or a couple years yeah. after that. But yeah, a couple years ago. Touchdown, and it was a really entertaining game. Yeah, and uh, I, I just think in this one, the biggest thing for the Colts is, and I'm, I'm starting to regret the pick as I say it out loud, but if they don't completely shoot themselves in the foot early and dig that enormous hole that we've seen them, unfortunately, do a couple times, because that's when Kansas City is dangerous, when they can run the ball with a 10-14 point lead. But having said that, I think Andrew Luck can move the ball on this defense, um, and I think they can do just enough to kind of weather Kansas City and keep them at bay. Um, and keep themselves in the hunt for that seven and nine divisional crown, so they can you know raise another banner uh, in the uh, new Colt Stadium. Um, and then finally, for our game closer than than you think uh, game, and this is where you really have to be, <laughs> where you have to be creative. Uh, I am on board that Denver is back, but they're four and a half point favorites over San Diego, who's already beaten them once this year. I know it's at Denver. I like Rivers to keep this game very close. I like that pick. That is uh, San Diego figuring out how to win games or even at least be close. Uh, Denver at home tends to play pretty well. So, yeah, I would like to. It's a division game, and division games are always tough. With my pick, I'm going to also stay in the division. With a, uh, I was contemplating making this my upset, but the spread is too uh, wide, and I'm going to go with my guys, Philly. Okay. <laughs> Alice, I think the rookie quarterback for running game, uh, the defense is going to be a great show down there in uh, Dallas on Sunday night. It should be a, it should be a great game. Uh, it, it's going to mean enormous things for the division. Um, we talked about the Eagles. I think they have a chance in this game if they can you know play good defense, get the ground game going. Wentz doesn't make mistakes. On the flip side, though, Tom, I know you're you're anything but a Cowboys supporter. But this is a team that, in a wide-open NFC, an impressive win here, and they could be looking at, looked at as a front-runner of sorts uh, for a Super Bowl run out of that conference. Um, so I think this is a big game for them and what the Cowboys can do and what they plan on doing uh, you know, going forward. And also, interested in your take on this, what Dallas will and should do with the Romo-Dak debate that's going to be all over the sports media waves for the next three, four months. Yeah, America loves to talk about the Cowboys, don't they? Especially if they're emerging potential uh, front runner for anything. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Uh, gotta ride the hot hand. Uh, I I've seen Tony Romo come out seemingly healthy and injure himself in the first series of action. I've seen it more than one time, and it's happened against the Eagles on more than one occasion. I remember. Yeah, I lost the, the fantasy football championship one year when he, uh, week 16, I think it was, a couple of years ago, injured his hand on the first series of the game. <laughs> well, that happened last year. <laughs> yeah, and last year, and too. last year, the Redskins, when he was seemingly, uh, the carcass of Tony Romo was hanging out at the 30-yard line <laughs> with the spider cam just hovering over him as if there was going to be chalk aligned around him and they were play around him. But yeah. that's a kind of tape joke. But <laughs> when we, the uh, 
Yeah, you got to stick with Dak as long as they're winning. He goes, the running game is clicking, the team is clicking, and, and they can guarantee that Tony Romo is, is healthy. If they want to go with Tony in the playoffs, by all means, they want to do anything with Tony. Uh, I think it would help. I would rather have Tony Romo in there right now than Dak Prescott as an Eagles fan, just knowing the health issues and the vulnerabilities that his game presents. Dak, I don't think uh, the NFL has defense coordinators have found it yet. Right, and I think um, I think that you touched on it. I think with Tony Romo, you get more feast ability for that defense. I don't think Dak's going to make the, the dangerous throws and ultimately the turnovers that Romo's going to make. And I think the way that the Cowboys' offense is changing, I think it could be an interesting uh, you know scenario with a run-heavy team. I think with Dak there, it gives them a better chance to win. Uh, but the other side of this game, Tom, is what Rod Marinelli and his defense are going to do. Very good defensive mind. The talent's still on the mediocre level, but they've played pretty well in how they're going to f- try to frustrate uh, Carson Wentz. Uh, and then lastly, you know, I mean, there's a couple good games this week. We got Packers and Falcons should be a good one. But what's the one thing you're looking forward to seeing, you know, as a general, you know, broad stroke, this NFL Sunday Week 8? What are you looking to see across the league? <coughs> Well, we have another London game, which means that we have maybe six, you know, 15 to 18 hours of football, uh, which I see every week complain about, but I'm just straight up addicted to. I can't get oh, yeah, game on, I can away from it, so that's exciting uh, in its own right. But uh, I'm excited for this showdown with, with the Cowboys, frankly. I'll be able to watch it, not, not be in, a, in the office at work, so I'll be able to enjoy that game. Uh, to the fullest rootability of uh, <laughs> that I am capable of. Uh, that's the most thing that I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah. The sh- I mean, I don't blame you. That's your divisional rivalry game. That's the hated Cowboys, you know, taking on the Eagles for, for a lot at stake. In that game, I'm looking to see what Zeke does, Ezekiel Elliott does, you know, how great he's been against a good run defense in Philly. Can he continue to live up to the hype? Um, and I mentioned Atlanta Green Bay. That's a game where we're going to separate the men from the boys a little bit in the NFC. You know, are the Falcons going to stop their free fall? And can the Packers right the ship on offense and get some semblance of a running game? Uh, but I think this yeah. is going to, you know, I think this is going to be a good week. I'm really excited for it. Um, so again, more football week eight. Hard to believe we're this far along. But thanks, Tom, for joining. Jo- yeah. No. Go ahead. There's an e a political ad. Uh, one of our colleagues forwarded to me about. It was, you know, a fake political ad paid for by fans of the Philadelphia Eagles to uh, outlaw Ezekiel Elliott's nude navel. <laughs> and his six-pack pretty good video uh, if you want to check it out. Yeah, I'm going to have to definitely do that. It's <laughs> tis the season, I guess. But, uh, Tom, thanks for joining the show. Hey, before I let you go, as a Philly guy, how do you feel about the Sixers this year? I think you're uh, more bullish than most, uh, even within the Philly community. Oh, yeah, I watched that game the other night against the Thunder. They did lose. Uh, however, the new addition of Joel Embiid and Dario Saric just proves. I know they're, uh, Dario, or I mean, excuse me, Joel has been on a minute limit, uh, but it, it just shows that the product on the court is of an actual viable NBA franchise when they're on the court. Isn't that and something? Then, uh, <laughs> especially when the... the Reserves are on the court, and it goes back to the to the A team. You can definitely see the uh, 
talent and the pace of play and the uh, <laughs> it's basketball again. We're actually looking at good basketball and that's encouraging and they're going to win a couple more games than we thought. Uh, it would have been nice to see Ben Simmons. They may win that game if Ben Simmons is out there and or Netherlands Noel. Uh, but Joel Embiid's the process. So <laughs> yeah, I, I just I'm curious to see what the pieces look like because while you're right, I mean Embiid looked great and uh, Saric looks like he can play already, and obviously I'm like everybody else in the basketball world that wants to see Ben Simmons, but you know those are a lot of big guys we just named. You know how can they how can they all play? together and what pieces the front office can get when they're undoubtedly going to have to flip some of these guys that do a little over for is maybe the new owls and but no there's there's actual real life nba basketball being played in philly it has to be a good time for you guys and that it's sad that our expectations are that low in philly but uh i i again think that joel and swagger uh if he can consistently hit that mid-range to, to three-point jumper and uh, put the ball on the floor potentially. And, and you saw that Steven Adams was having trouble guarding him, not knowing where not to foul him. And Joel even told him, you can't, you can't guard me, bro. Like, <laughs> you can't guard me. So if that swagger comes out and he starts consistently getting those jumpers and you get into the line, he was 4 of 12, but still got his points. He's got to share up, you know, a shooting percentage and, and go a little stronger in the hole, not be as timid. But I think he's a potential MVP candidate down the line for sure, leading this team. Just want to see him play. That looked pretty good. Uh, but things are trending up finally in Philadelphia for the 76ers. Tom, thanks for joining the show. Appreciate talking football and uh, Philly sports. Absolutely, no problem. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. Big thanks to my football dudes, Sean Sullivan and Tom Weisenbach. Always a pleasure, always a privilege talking to such esteemed colleagues of mine. And I hope you like football as much as we do because uh, it's such a fun game, such a fun game to watch. And we're happy to bring any knowledge we can to you on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks for listening. Again, a reminder, you can listen to all episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play by just searching Money Mitch Effect. And follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21, where all the episodes are posted, as well as some daily sports knowledge and other things that might uh, fancy your uh, appetite, tickle your fancy. I think I got it right that time. Thanks again to everybody listening to the Money Mitch Effect. 19 episodes in. Can you believe it? I can hardly myself. Mitch Michael signing off. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the sports. And again, go try.